Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. All right, let's go to Psalm 18. And um, tonight we're going to study together the second half of this victory song of faith. We looked at verses 1 through 24, uh, I think it was two weeks ago. Uh, This psalm, again, written by David. He's a human author that God inspired to write this praise song. And um, it was written at some point after uh, David was finally made king in Israel. God had promised that. There was a good stretch between God's promise and that actually happening. Uh, But that's what the superscription there at the uh, top of of, uh, chapter 18 says. And then it's recorded also in 1 Samuel 22 with, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel 22 with very minor changes. And um, that was actually at the end of David's life. And so uh, he wrote it. I don't know if he wrote it right away after he became king or if he wrote it then, but we know he sung it then at the end of his life. And so we definitely have a look back here on all the ways God had been God for him on all the ways God had come through for him. And um, that's a beneficial thing for you and I uh, in helping us have faith right now that God's going to keep doing that and faith next week and next year and a decade from now, should he tarry, that he's going to be who he always has been and who he's promised to be for us. Uh, last, last time we were together uh, in verses 1 to 3 of Psalm 18 here, David uh, gave a commitment to God to love him and praise him for who he is and what he he had done. And then in verses 4 to 6, David does what he so often does that makes the psalm such a relatable uh, book of the Bible for us. He talked about his fear. He talked about his distress in verses 4 through 6. Helps us kind of relate and identify with what he's going through. Uh, but of course, he never stays there. He moves from fear to faith, and he did that even already uh, in verses 7 to uh, 24. But tonight, we'll look at... Um, just a continuation of that, uh, how God has been good in his life. You know, it's a somewhat recent Southern Gospel song, God's Been Good, and that's really what David's saying here. He's given testimony to how God came through for him over and over. Let's read um, together. It has a whole uh, Psalm chapter 18. We'll begin in verse 25. It says, With the merciful thou wilt show thyself merciful. With an upright man thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure, and with the froward, thou wilt show thyself froward. For thou wilt save the afflicted people, but wilt bring down high looks. For thou wilt light my candle, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect, the word of the Lord is tried, he is a buckler to all those who trust in him. For who is God save the Lord? Or who is a rock save our God? It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me up on my high places. He teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation and thy right hand hath holden me up and thy gentleness has made me great. 
Thou hast enlarged my steps under me, that my feet did not slip. I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them, neither did I turn again till they were consumed. I have wounded them, that they were not able to rise. They are fallen under my feet. For thou hast girded me with strength unto the battle. Thou hast subdued under me those that rose up against me. Thou hast also given me the necks of mine enemies, that I might destroy them that hate me. They cried, but there was none to save them, even unto the Lord, but he answered them not. Then did I beat them small as the dust before the wind. I did cast them out as the dirt in the streets. Thou hast delivered me from the strivings of the people, and thou hast made me the head of the heathen. A people whom I have not known shall serve me. As soon as they hear of me, they shall obey me. The stranger shall submit themselves unto me. The stranger shall fade away and be afraid out of their closed places. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God that avengeth me and subdueth the people under me. He delivereth me from mine enemies. Yea, thou liftest me up above those that rise up against me. Thou hast delivered me from the violent man. Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. Great deliverance giveth he to his king, and showeth mercy to his anointed, to David, and to his seed forevermore. Before we study this together, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look into this psalm that you've given us, this worship song, this great song of victory, this great song of faith, I pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the truth that you've given us here, uh, that we could apply it to our lives, give us understanding. You've promised to do that. I pray that his, uh, his ministry would also include calling us to response, calling us to move from circumstances that are causing fear and to shift our focus to you and what is true of David and is also true in our lives, that we have a God who saves, that we have a God who delivers, and he is dependable. And Lord, I pray that uh, we would not just see you as that, but we would savor you as that, that we would hold that precious truth close to our hearts, and so that when we find ourselves in places of fear, we would give you praise anyway, knowing that you've promised to deliver, knowing that that's been your track record, that's been your history, and knowing that that's what you'll always be for us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in verses 25 to 28 of Psalm chapter 18 here, uh, we've got principles for deliverance, and throughout the Bible, that's really only one thing. There's only one thing that gives us access to deliverance, and that is faith. Uh, God's grace is our deliverance. His love for us, His grace for us, especially in Jesus Christ, is our deliverance. But how we come to know that, how we come to appropriate that in our lives in very real ways is only by faith. And I think that's what he's describing here in verses 25 through 28. Uh, the first thing you've got to do to have faith in God is you've got to know about Him. Aren't you glad we have a God who wants to be known? <laughs> He's a self-revealing God. We don't worship a God like um, other, uh, other people might. who They don't know who he is. They're maybe apprehensive about how he wants to be worshipped or uh, what we should do, what he expects. We have a God who's very clear. And he wants a relationship with us so much. We, we've seen the great revelation he gave uh, in sending Jesus Christ. He, God came down for you and I. And that's the most uh, loud and clear revelation we can have of his grace for us. Definitely something we should put our faith in. But he's also given us even nature. That's what Psalm 19 will be about. We'll look at it in a couple weeks. And he's also given us his word as his revelation. We have a God who wants to be known. The second half of Psalm 19 in a couple weeks, we'll see that as well. We've got a God who wants to be known, and he's revealed himself, and that's the very start of faith. We've got to know who God is. 
And it says in verse 25 that he's merciful. He says, with the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. Um, it might say, if you have a different translation, it might say something like um, about his love, his steadfast love, his covenant faithfulness to us, or God is faithful, and that's the, all those are English words for the Hebrew word chesed, which is talking about God's grace to us. We didn't deserve it. It's his granting us grace, his covenant love for you and I. Uh, and that's what he calls us to do as well. We'll see that in a second. Not only is he merciful, right? It says, with an upright man, thou will show thyself upright. God is upright. He's blameless. Uh, he's holy. There, there's no shadow of turning. There's, no, uh, there's nothing hidden about him. There's nothing sneaky about him. Uh, and then he says he's pure in verse 26. With the pure, thou will show thyself pure. Again, he's holy without any spot. He's perfect. He's everything we need him to be. And at the end of verse 26, it says, With a froward, thou wilt show thyself froward. It's two different Hebrew words there that are translated by, and here in the King James, the word froward. With, with a froward, it's talking about people. He's talking about people who are crooked or perverse or underhanded and uh, manipulative. Now, the word for him describing him that way, it's not that. It's a different word, but uh, it means that he's going to twist what they're doing back on them. That's what God does. And we see that throughout Scripture. Um, David even sometimes says, Lord, catch them in the net they laid for me. Uh, help them fall into the trap they laid for me because that's what God does. All right? um, not only our realization of who God is, but also our reflecting of who God is. That is faith, really. I mean, we can say, I believe in God, but it should be exhibited in our lives. That's what we've been learning in 1 John as we've gone through that on Sunday. Our reflecting or our reflection of who God is. If God is these things, listed in verses 25 to 28, then his followers ought to be those things too. We should reflect those very same characteristics. So we should be merciful. We should be merciful. We really should. That's how we are faithful. If we want to know, you know, am I, am I, is my faith pleasing to the Lord? Well, am I merciful? Micah 6, 8, uh, in that passage, uh, the prophet Micah says, what, God, how do you want to be worshipped? Do you want a thousand burnt offerings? Do you want me to sacrifice? Uh, in a modern day, we'd say, do you, want to, do you want me to write a thousand dollar check to church? You know, this week, do you want to, what do you want, God? And God says, I've shown you, oh man, what is good and what I require of you. I want you to, to do justly. I want you to do what's right. And I want you to love mercy and I want you to walk humbly with your God. And I want you to love mercy. Do you love mercy? I love mercy. I love getting mercy. And, but so often we might love getting it. We're a little bit more stingy sometimes in doling it out, aren't we? Uh, when we look at God, there's nothing but mercy that we get from him, nothing but grace. And so a uh, God that is that way, his followers are to be that way as well. We are to be literally merciful, not just receiving it, but also in freely dispensing it. I'll say this. I don't know if you can ever reflect God's character in a more powerful way than when you do that, when you give grace to somebody who doesn't deserve it. That's definitely that's the actual definition of grace. Uh, when we're full of mercy. Uh, we're to be upright, is what it also said there in verse 25. God's upright, so we should be just and we should be blameless. Verse 26, God is pure, so we should be pure. We should be holy. It says in 1 Peter, be holy for I am holy. Jesus said in a Sermon on the Mount when he says, this is kingdom values. If you want to live here and now in light of then and there, all right, Jesus said, uh, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, and blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they shall see God. When I'm merciful, when I'm upright, when I'm pure, people will see God. Not only will I see God, but they'll see God in me. And that's really the whole point of all of our, our lives. The point of our salvation is to point to him. We help others see that. And get to, with a froward, thou will show thyself forward. He's not asking us to be froward. This is the one exception in, these, uh, in this reflection. We're not commanded to, to judge or, or provide retribution or twist things back on people. God, God does that. He'll take care of that. Um, instead, we're commanded to return blessing for cursing. That's what uh, we learned in, in First and Second Peter. Um, we are commanded to commit ourselves to God. Let him handle that part. Uh, whose whole responsibility and role it is to do that. And that's a really strong evidence of being faithful as well. Can you do that? Can you do what Paul commands us to do in Romans and say, um, I'm not going to take vengeance. You deserve it, <laughs> but I'm not going to take it. No, I'm going to be merciful, and I'm going to commit, commit God that role. He, he can handle it. He's a lot better at doing it. Um, he has a powerful way. He's already done it in Jesus Christ, but, but we can commit that completely to him. A God who saves us uh, is a God who deserves our praise and our faith and, and living this out, all right? Living our faith out as verses 25 to 28 talk about. Let's look at verse 27. It says, For thou wilt save the afflicted people, those who are poor and needy and humble, but you'll bring down high looks. What a beautiful and perfect description of faith. A God who saves the humble. A God who saves the afflicted and those who are dependent on him. Verse 28 says, for you will light my candle. You'll give me life. In fact, you have. And you're going to sustain it. All right? And God will enlighten my darkness. He gives me and sustains life forever. And he gives me light forever. Man, this is David's lifelong testimony that if he would be faithful if he would mirror God's character qualities that are listed here, God would, God would be faithful to him. Um, even when uh, people did him wrong. Saul, right? <laughs> and what did David do to Saul? Nothing but, it was nothing but faithful. Spared his life on two different occasions. Uh, one time he, he cut that robe of his garment. Right? Kind of like psychological operations. Felt bad about doing that. Confessed that as sin. Lord, I shouldn't have touched the Lord's anointed. God forgive me for doing that. I, I give, and, and another time, uh, you know, one of his right-hand uh, right military men say, hey, look, God's delivered him into your hand. He, you, this is your opportunity. And he said, no, I can't do it. Let God do it. Let God do it. Right? He did it with uh, even Absalom, his own son, and as he, uh, you know, fled the city. And there's old Shimei up there, one of Saul's descendants, throwing stones at him, cursing him. And again, one of David's right-hand men says, you want me to go lop his head off? David says, no. I don't want you to do that. What if God told him to curse me? I don't know. But I'm going to give it over to God. I'm going to let God handle that. I'm going to let God handle it. That's what being faithful is. And Abner and Joab so many times over and over enable uh, David express this kind of faith. You know, I'm going to be uh, merciful. I'm going to be upright. I'm going to be pure. Because that's who you are, God. And right, now in the big core part of this psalm that we read, verses 29 to 45, it's really just what, what the whole thing is. It's a Thanksgiving song of victory. And in, in this uh, section, starting in verse 29, David gives God praise for the past deliverance. Again, this was written, he doesn't have any problems right now. He's looking back on how God's delivered him from his problems. 
and he gives uh, praise to God uh, for God's character of deliverance in verses 29 to 31. A bunch of military metaphors here. I'm sure you noticed as we read it, David was a warrior. He was a military man. And throughout this, he gives credit to God alone. That's who it's due alone, for God's grace alone in his life. In verse uh, 29, this is what he says. For by thee I've run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. When I was in the army, that was one of my favorite verses. As for God, verse 30, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler or a shield to all those that trust in him. Here he's talking about his character, his person, who God is. Uh, He's talking about God's promises, his word. He's talking about God being a shield to him, his protection. And who can know his way? Who knows God's way? Who knows uh, God's word? Who knows God being a shield uh, to them? Those who are faithful. It says in verse uh, 30 there, he is all of this. All of these things to all of those who trust in him. It's not just something for a pastor. It's, it's not just something for a shepherd. It's for the sheep, too. God is this for all of his children. Uh, he reveals his character of faithfulness to us. He reveals his word to us. He reveals uh, his promises to us and his protection to us. And verse 31 says, For who is God save the Lord, or who is a rock save our God? Uh, whenever you're in the Psalms or really anywhere in Scripture and you see different names for God, you should pay attention to it. God designed that for a purpose. He could have just said God and God and Lord and Lord and just kept using the same. But here he says in verse 31, Who is God, L, the Almighty One, right, except the Lord? Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. When you see that in your Bible, that is that self-revealed name for God that he told Moses there at the burning bush that he communicated to Israel throughout their history. Uh, that means it's, it's Yahweh. All right? And he says, who is God, who is El, the Almighty One, uh, except our Lord Yahweh? That, that name means the one who is. That's just literally what it means. It means no beginning, no end, self-existent. The one who causes to be, the creator God, the one who gave you life and gave you life. Can't you trust him to sustain your life, to deliver you? He says, who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except or save our God? He points uh, to that metaphor, a rock. Something that's immovable, that's everlasting, that's dependable. And that's who God is for us. That's his character. But he also gives praise for God's conduct here in verses 32 to 45. We read them through. I wanted to read that whole section because we won't hit on every single verse here. But we're going to hit on a few All right, praise for God's given conduct in the past. Verse 32, David says, It is God that girdeth me with strength, and he maketh my way perfect. All right, he equips me. He arms me. Literally, girds means encompasses me like a belt. All right, Uh, he encircles me with strength, and he makes my way, my road, my journey from, from here to here, he makes that perfect, makes it sound or complete. Definitely know this is a look back, right, in David's life. Did David always feel this way? Was David's way always perfect in the moment? (laughs) Yeah, it's far from perfect sometimes. David had to wonder, God, what are you doing? I'm hiding out in a cave here. I'm running from Saul. I've never done anything to him. He's trying to kill me. He's sending people to kill me. Uh, God, can you do it? There were times in David's life when his faith wasn't perfect. There's times when ours isn't. There's times when I was just reading one the other night. David, I'm like... He's such a man of faith, right? There's this time when he's like, well, I'm going to die. There's nothing better for me than go hang out with the Philistines. That's who I'm going to live with. I mean, you've been anointed king in Israel. That's going to happen. 
And he's like, no, nah, probably I need to go be a mercenary and fight for the Philistines. That, that's probably the best thing I could do. That's where I'll be safe. That's some crazy thinking. But see, it made sense at the time. His way wasn't always perfect, all right? He didn't know exactly where God was leading him. There was, there was minor times when his faith failed, when he had wobbly knees. Overall, though, now, he's, as he's been king, and, and even at the end of his life, as he's singing this song, he's looking back and saying, God's been good, and he made my way perfect. That road was broken. It was full of potholes. It was a muddy mess. I don't, didn't know what you were doing at the time. I questioned you. And now I see how you guided me perfectly every way you protected me. That bumpy mess of a road was your protection of me when I thought it was the end of me. Now, his way wasn't always perfect. Uh, but now in hindsight, he can see that it is. In verse 33, he says, He maketh my feet like hind's feet or like, like the feet of a deer. Deer are pretty quick sometimes, right, Mr. Roscoe? Yeah. Uh, I, one time I was hunting, it was a bad, it was about five years ago, and it was pouring rain, and I was excited, it was the first day of hunting season, and I went out, and I went to a new game lands, it was a mess, and um, it was like a muddy, boggy swamp up near Wade, and um, I kept falling in about up to my waist, it was pouring rain, and I said, this is no fun, I went home. Krista was at, I think it was homecoming at Methodist, so she wasn't there. I was like, well, I don't want to waste the day, so I, I'll go out in the woods right by my house. And I did that, and I saw a big deer. I was about to go in, all right? I was about to go in. I was standing there by a tree, and this doe went flying by me. Good eating size one. I thought, well, that's it. I said, well, wait a minute. Why is she running? I said, maybe I better stay here. And out comes this, I mean, it was a beautiful deer. I, I almost wonder if I saw it in my, like I was having a dream. I mean, Per the perfect deer. And I picked up my rifle, and it was probably a lesson for me today in the back there. Picked up my rifle, and I said, is this how I want to spend the rest of my afternoon? <laughs> yeah. All cold and wet, football on, and I didn't have to make that decision. The deer made it for me, right, because they're fast. <laughs> that deer went, right? They're fast. And he says, this is, this is God. He maketh my feet like hinds feet, and he setteth me up on high places, those precarious rocky roads in Israel. I mean, the, the deer there, the animals there are very adept at walking them and using that metaphor for, for a military metaphor as a whole. Really, there's nothing like agility and skill and strength and speed. Those are all necessary things. When I was in the Army, we'd, we focused on speed, right? And they kept telling us, slow down. They would say, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. What they meant is get it right. Because as you get it right and you keep doing it, you're going to get faster. You're going to get faster. And the same is true in our life. So many times we want to go fast, fast, fast. We, God, you've, you've changed my heart. You've, you've convicted me of sin, and I repent it. And I want, to, I want to, you know, I'm on that road of sanctification, and we want it to be like I-40, you know, three lanes, 65 miles an hour. And sanctification isn't a road like that. It really isn't. Not, not very often. Most of the time it's like roads out by me, logging roads in White Oak, and it's bumpy, and you might get turned around. All right, but stay. Keep going. Slow is smooth. Smooth is fast. You're going to make progress in your Christian life. And this is what God, God gave him all of these things. Skill, strength, agility, all prized qualities for a, a warrior. But it wasn't because of David's military prowess. This is a shepherd. God had given him all of these things. Verse 30 uh, four, he teaches my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broke by my arms. Again, strength. Verse 35, thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation. There ain't no shield like that, is there? When Satan hurls his darts at you, 
guilt, sickness, trouble, pain. There's no shield like the shield of salvation. Knowing that you're His. <laughs> Knowing that He's yours. There's no shield like that. And He says there, You have given me the shield of Thy salvation. And Thy right hand hath holden me up, and Thy gentleness has made me great. I love that. It's ours by grace through faith in Christ. In the face of all we might be up against in life, how could we possibly stand? Some people might even ask you that. How do you do that? How, do you, how are you getting through that? And, and you can't. You can't. I can't. But him in me, I can. Him in you, you can. He's done it. Do you hear? How do you stand? You don't. He held you up. That's what it says. He holds you up. Love how he holds you up. He holds you up by his right hand. And who's at his right hand right now? Yeah. That's where he is. Jesus. He's holding you up. You can't do it. Don't try. Depend on him. Let him hold you up. Quit wiggling. <laughs> Quit wriggling. You ever try to hold a little kid, protect them? Maybe it's like, you know, something they were about to get into and you grab them. What do they do? <laughs> right? Said, Quit. <laughs> you know? And we do that. We wriggle and we wiggle. Saying, maybe that's a better source of support right now. Maybe that Satan's telling me that's what I need right now. And God says, no, I'm all you need. Just rest. That's what the shield of salvation is. Just rest in his salvation. There's no better shield. Now in verses 36 to 45, uh, just over and over, more military metaphors of how God in the past had continuously, regularly, consistently came through for David. Over and over again. How he, how he delivered him from his enemies. Uh, God always coming through on his promises. The predominant theme throughout that section there is every ability, every victory is because of the Lord. Not because of David. Not because of me. Every victory I have, every, every ability you have is only because of the Lord. And, and through our faith in him, we have access to that. He guides and he equips us and he empowers us. Verse 43, let's jump down to there. It says, Thou hast delivered me from the strivings of the people, and thou hast made me the head of the heathen. A people whom I have not known shall serve me. As soon as they hear of me, they shall obey me. The strangers shall submit themselves unto me. The strangers shall fade away and be afraid out of their close places. Look, um, this really wasn't true in David's life. He didn't really ever, I mean, there was Philistines that he defeated and things like that, but to, to take it as it says there, and the heathen all come to me and submit to me, that didn't happen in David's life. And so I encourage you, as I have already so many times, look for Jesus in the Psalms. He's there. All right. And while this might not have been true of David, it was more true of Solomon. Uh, the kingdom expanded into a greater section of the promised land that God gave them, and there were nations that came. Even we learn of the you know, Queen of Sheba coming before Solomon and, and giving him tribute, and the kingdom was expanded. It wasn't worldwide. There's only one person, David's descendant, who that's true of, and that's Jesus Christ. I mean, so here he is in the Psalms. Uh, we've got Jesus here. Uh, the messianic fulfillment. Uh, is, is more probable here. Whenever you see prophecy in the Old Testament, almost, almost every time you've got a near fulfillment where it happens right then and there or soon after, and then you've got a future fulfillment, which may happen later down the road or may happen when Christ comes back and be completely fulfilled in that way. And I think that's true of this uh, section of verses. In verse 45, 
Um, uh, another translation says, foreigners lost heart and they came trembling out of their fortresses. How is that true of Jesus? Well, it, it will be when he comes to reign, but I think it's even true at Pentecost, isn't it? Gentiles coming to Jesus Christ, uh, strangers, foreigners, they lost heart and they come trembling out of their fortresses. You know why they lost heart? They were given a new heart. That's what the new covenant promised in Jeremiah. I'll take their heart of stone. I'm going to give them a heart of flesh. They're given a new heart. They're given a new fortress. That fortress of sin that bound them was no longer theirs. That was no longer their home. Just like David, they had a new heart. Just like David, they had a new home. Jesus is now their heart. Jesus is now their home. Jesus is now their fortress. He's our fortress, church. He's our fortress. That's what David's called him in this psalm already uh, once. And so here we got praise for deliverance. And then finally, a promise for deliverance. This is the key part throughout almost all of the Psalms, is there's always a look back onto what God has done. And it's so important. Because that's what's going to give you strength to have faith in the present and in the future that God is going to keep doing what he's promised to do and what he's always done. We've got a promise here for deliverance from an alive and avenging God. Verse 46, it says, The Lord liveth. And blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God that avengeth me, and subdueth the people under me. He delivereth me from my enemies. Yea, though, yea, thou liftest me up above those that rise up against me. Thou hast delivered me from the violent uh, man. All right, so here he's focusing on God's past performance of grace, and that's so vital for our faith in his present and his future grace to us. Uh, if we're going to uh, be people of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. That's what Hebrews eleven six tells us. And if we're going to be people of faith, we have to look back. All right. But this song is so much more than just a historical record of David's life. Or I, I hope that when you read things that David, uh, that God did for David, you're, it's sparking things in your life that God did for you. And when He came through for you in a similar way. Uh, but so much more than that. We have a God who's alive. Right now, he's alive. We're going to celebrate that in a, in a month and a half or so. We have a God who's alive. This is unique to Christianity. Separates us from every other religion. We had a God who came for us. We don't, it's not us trying to get to him. He came for us because we weren't going to go to him. We have a God who died for us. We have a God who rose for us. And we got a God who's coming back for us. It'd be fine if he did it tonight. <laughs> right? We have a God coming back for us. This is the unique part of Christianity, what separates us. It's why it's, it is the true faith. It is the real faith. Are you blessing and exalting, as David described there in verses 46 to 48, the rock of your salvation? That's faith. That is. We've been singing tonight. We're going to sing in a minute a couple more songs. And that is a way of praising him. That is a way of expressing faith. Right? Um, but I ask you to keep that song going. Are you living by faith in his justice for you? It says uh, that he is, uh, in verse 47, he avenges me. I don't have to bear that weight anymore. <laughs> I don't have to worry about it. I give it over to him. He's the one that provides me justice. He's the one that is my avenger. And also, in verse 49 and 50, he's an active and anointing God. He's alive and avenging God, but he's also an active and anointing God. In verse 48, the very beginning there, it says, he delivereth me. This isn't just about the past and what God has done in the past. He does it now. The God who saved, the God who delivers, this is what he does now. He delivereth me from my enemies. In verse 49, therefore I will give thanks to thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises to thy name, because great deliverance you give to the king. You do it now. It's even what you, that's your business. That's what he does. 
It's what he did. It's what he does. It's what he will do. God doesn't change. So thankful that he doesn't change, that he's that dependable rock I can count on. And here we have promised continued deliverance to those who are his chosen people. We're from an active and anointing God. He says there in verse uh, 50, this great deliverance he gives to his king. He's active, and he showeth mercy to his anointed, to David and to his seed forevermore. That's the Davidic covenant, the promise God gave him. And I'm so glad for the Davidic covenant because it meant Jesus was going to come through that line. Uh, God calls Jesus his anointed one, his elect one in Isaiah, and God calls uh, us his anointed people. We just looked at that in 1 John. You've been anointed. If you've been born again, the Holy Spirit is your anointing. He, you've been anointed. Yes, you've been chosen. The Holy Spirit is your anointing. And that anointing from him is your promise of deliverance. That's what Jesus said. I'm going to go away. And his disciples were like, rather you didn't. Right? And he said, it's good for me. If I go, right now I can only be with whoever's around me. If I go away, I'm going to send you the comforter. Another comforter. Literally means in, the, in Hebrew or in Greek there, another just like me. Because it's my Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. And he's not, he's not just a, a localized person. He's in you. The personal Holy Spirit is in you forever. You're anointed. You're anointed. That's your seal. That's your promise of your final and full and perfect deliverance. I can't wait till that happens. One day, I'll be delivered from pain. <laughs> I'll be delivered from sin in this messed up world. And I'll be able to live with him forever as he created me, as he designed for me, as he designed for you. Right? Until then, he's asking us to live like David did. He's asking us to, he's asking us to sing. And give him thanks. And I think he's worthy of it. We ought to tonight. But I'd like it to go on. I'd like when we go out those doors that the singing really doesn't stop. Like I'm not asking you to go to your parked car and, and sing, right? If you want to, that'd be great. But what I'm, what I'm saying is if when you believe him, that's a song that doesn't end. It really doesn't. What, Friday morning, when you're putting your faith in him, when life's throwing you curveballs or it's hitting you with a ball, all right, if you say you're worth more, you've been my deliverer, you're going to be my deliverer today, you're going to deliver me tomorrow, that's a louder song than you could sing even here tonight. So Tommy is